Good morning. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be hearing verses 12, or excuse me, 13 to 15. But it's hard to look at those verses without looking at immediately what happens right before it. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of what we often call the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with chapter 5, 1 and goes through the end of verse 7. And immediately Jesus, from the very beginning of Matthew, of chapter 5, is beginning to, to place out there the characteristics of the people who uh, are to be the builders of the reign and kingdom of God. And as he talks about these things in the Beatitudes, he says the kingdom people are people who are gentle, pure in heart, humble, seek the good of others, meek, and they'll be persecuted for what they believe. So turn in your Bible. This is what Jesus has set up. We're going to start reading from verse 13, Matthew 5, verse 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. So after he gives the Beatitudes, Jesus says, All y'all are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say all y'all, but it's plural. All y'all are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. All of y'all are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let y'all's light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Now, many people can remember the Great Commission at the end of uh, Matthew's gospel, And uh, the Great Commission, if you remember, is Jesus, after the resurrection, appears before his disciples, and he tells them, I want you to go preach, teach, and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what we realize is this is not the first commission that Jesus is giving. That Great Commission has its seeds in our text this morning. You see, there's really a first commissioning of Jesus for the disciples, and that is in our text today, verses 13 to 15. Scholar uh, Dale Bruner from Whitworth University likes to call our text uh, the vital you are's or y'all are. That'd be my southern way of doing it. It's the way of Jesus saying, listen, this is your identity church. This is your identity church and these you are's will shape your identity as a people of the kingdom. And so, uh, so far in Matthew's story, Jesus has been born, he's been tempted, he's been baptized, he's assembled a team, and now Jesus is providing them an outline of what it means to live in God's realm. And he does that with the Beatitudes. Today, Jesus gives his marching orders. He commissions the church. And he says, church, you're the light of the world. Church, You're the salt of the earth. These are the marching orders. They give us our commission, but form and shape our identity as a people of God. 
You and I are the salt of the world. We live in a world where salt has been discouraged and we're encouraged to have low-sodium diets. The challenge is is that Jesus, though we live in a low-sodium diet world, is calling us to live our identity as a high-sodium disciple, flavoring the communities that we are in. Friends, salt enhances flavor. Salt is used to preserve things like food. Salt is necessary for our body's metabolic functioning. And salt in and of itself is not a bad thing. But too much of it, not so much. Have you ever put too much salt on some food? Have you ever seen those little Morton salt containers? You know, they're about this big, they're blue. And what is that, a pound? I don't, I guess that's a pound of salt. Imagine going to Fresh Market and, and you see a standing rib roast with four ribs. Boom, boom, boom. And it looks so good. And you come home, and the only way, the only way you're going to season that puppy is you're going to get a whole pound of Morton salt and just soak it in salt. Cook it up. How's that going to taste? Not too well. You see, salt is an enhancer. Too much of it kills the taste. It kills the taste. It's a wasted culinary moment. Same goes for light, though. Light is a good thing. It lights up the shadows. It helps us to navigate. It gives body needed vitamins. It helps us produce positive chemical levels of serotonin in our brains. And yet too much or too little light is not good for us either. Too much light pointed in a concentrated area can cause blindness. You hear of airline pilots today that say they're flying in their cockpit and somebody on the, some yahoo on the ground is shining a laser into their eyes into the cockpit from the ground. It's concentrated. It hurts. It's dangerous. Exposure to too much light can cause uh, skin cancers, melanomas. And yet too little light is a problem as well. Living in Florida, we would not have an understanding of what that means. But when you live in the Pacific Northwest, like I did for, seven, or for five years in Tacoma, Washington, where nine months out of the year, it is cold, dark, rainy, full of moose drool, wet. It gets just kind of claustrophobic. You go to work in the dark, you come home in the dark. It starts to get dusk at about four in the afternoon in the wintertime. So what I discovered after the first year is why, as you go to the stores in Target or Walmart or Fred Meyer's out there or wherever, you could buy these things called happy lights. That's what the little box said. They're about this big. Happy lights. And they were everywhere. And I didn't understand that first year. I got one the second. But these happy lights are designed for people who live in low light conditions, and it helps make you so you don't get depressed because there's not enough light. I I, I saw a happy light in effect. I walked into my office one day in Tacoma at the church, and my colleague had a dog that she had brought home. And I looked at her dog on the floor in her office, and I said, well, what's, what's, what's wrong with Juju? Juju looks depressed. And how did I know that Juju was depressed? 
because Taylor had placed a happy light in front of the dog's face on the floor. So how did you know? I'm from Georgia, but I can read the signs. <laughs> Friends, members of the church are called to an identity of being salt and light to the world. We are to enhance people's lives. We are to season the culture with the virtues of the Beatitudes. We are to shine light on injustice, hatred, bigotry. We are to reveal the good news of the wonderful reign of God in our lives so others can experience the same. We are to shine hope where there is despair. We are called to be salt and light. That's our identity. And yet, sisters and brothers, we are to use our saltiness, our light strategically, thoughtfully, not wastefully or carelessly. As we have noted, too much salt or too little salt or too much light or too little light can be a bad thing. We live in a culture that believes if a little is good, then obviously more is better. But however, in the case of our Christian commission, as salt shakers, as light bearers in the world, the way we season the world, the way we light the world with the flavors and colors of Jesus matters. Think for a moment. Think for a moment of those Christians you know that are, how do we say, a skosh too salty. They are Christians that don't leave a good flavor in your mouth. What do I mean by that? Well, the gospel seems harsh. The, the, the gospel doesn't sound like Jesus. Think of those people who are Christians who maybe are a little too bright. You look at them and they are so full of self-righteousness and piety, you are blinded by what following Jesus really is. They use all the right Christian words. They dress in the right Christian way, if that makes sense like this. They have a sense of personal piety that smells like a woman who has sprayed on way too much gardenia perfume. Overly salty Christianity, a Christian walk that is too bright for others to look at, smell, or experience is not what Jesus is asking for you and me to demonstrate. We're to be thoughtful with the flavor we provide in our communities. We are to be strategic with the light we show on systems of brokenness and need. Friends, unfortunately, Christianity has run into fundamentalism. And fundamentalism, my friends, is not just conservative. Fundamentalism is any form from progressive to conservative, that is a misuse of Jesus' high-sodium discipleship and light. 
Salt and light are to be used strategically, thoughtfully, not overbearingly. We don't give people a bad taste. Jesus is sweet. His aroma is marvelous. Today, we celebrate our Scottish Presbyterian heritage as a church. Presbyterians, for those of you who aren't Presbyterian, you need to know, Presbyterians emerged from a very down-to-earth, common-sense, practical understanding of faith. As Presbyterians, we don't believe in checking our brain at the door, but that God gave us an intellect and a faith that can stand the probing of analytical thinking and testing and questioning. It's okay. As Presbyterians, we, we are known as people of the middle way. In other words, we are known for purposefully studying the Scriptures to determine the way and the will of God. Now, the problem with being people of the middle way is that if you're in the middle of the road, you get hit by cars from both sides. But I'm still, I like that middle way. You see, as Presbyterians, we believe that the Spirit of God speaks most clearly through the voice of the many as opposed to the one, and that I need my sisters and brothers to help me discern the will of God. I can't do it on my own. As Presbyterians, we embrace that God is God and sovereign and that we are not. Therefore, we commit everyone, we commit everything to God's providential care and oversight. I may not understand cancer. I may not understand alcoholism. I may not understand depression. I may not understand why parents go through divorce and relationships shatter. But what I do know and what I do believe in is a providential God who holds all that stuff that I don't understand and helps us undo the knots. That's what a Presbyterian is. As Presbyterians, we are known as people who focus on Jesus first, issue second. Well, it used to be the case. Be a Presbyterian meant that Jesus was first in all. But over the last 50, 60 years, mainline Presbyterianism, Methodism, whatever, all the mainline churches have let social agendas determine the course of the gospel. We have put our a personal, political, theological agenda before Jesus. We have removed Christ from the center, the head of the church, and we have displaced him from the throne. We forgot that our Scottish ancestors in the Presbyterian church who fought to maintain the separation of the church and state and here we are now in the 21st century America wrapping the two back up together again. You see the irony in that? Our Presbyterian forebears fought for the separation of church and state. And in the last 30 years, we are doing our best to wrap it all up together. 
As Presbyterians, we know the world and its issues cannot be easily separated into black or white or this or that, conservative, liberal. Presbyterians are comfortable with the uncomfortability of wading into the gray water of life and to its murkiness in order to find solutions to life's deep problems. I think of our beloved city's woes in the sewage system as an example. I cannot get it out of my head. The picture that night, I was walking down Himmershe Canal after the sewage line broke underwater. And all that gray sludge was just, just blowing into the water. It was wrong. It smelled wrong. News crews were there to prove that it was wrong. And there I watched this man who was paid not enough to don a scuba diving suit with a helmet and a hose to breathe. And he dropped down into that water at night, into that murkiness of God knows what was in there to fix it. Friends, someone had to get wet and go underwater and address the mess. It's a dirty job. It's much easier to pretend and ask and say the city will deal with it. It's easy to stand on the shore of the Hemmershie Canal and watch that diver go underwater. But brothers and sisters, until a diver goes underwater and addresses that hole and that break and fixes it, it's not going to get fixed. You see, as a Presbyterian, that's why I'm proud. We will put on the diving helmet. We will get into the nasty water of life. We will not always agree. But we will wrestle together. We may not always be popular. It's much easier to be this or that. But we realize that to be salt and light in our contemporary world means strategically going to address broken pipes in our world that others would just as not touch or address. That's why we're killed. Scots are independent. Passionate, principled. They're like a terrier who gets a hold of something. We won't let go. That's what salt and light is, brothers and sisters. So today, I want you to go home. This is your homework. I want you to go home, and after I drop my kilt and take off this vest, it is hot. I want us to stand in front of the mirror. And I want you to look into that mirror, and for the second Sunday in a row, the Scripture is challenging you and me to look at our identity. Look at yourself. Am I sharing the gospel of Jesus? Am I inspiring a Christ-focused presence where I work, play, go to school? Am I doing my best to be transforming 
the place where I am? Am I doing that as salt? Am I doing that by being light? Am I living intentionally, loving unconditionally, giving graciously? Oh, my beloved, that's where we ought to be. That's where we're headed. All of God's people said. Lord God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for our rich, rich heritage. Lord, that has been full of blood, sweat, and tears as is the church's whole story. Lord, we give you thanks that you do not leave us alone, that you give us a Holy Spirit that moves and works within community to help us discern the will of the Lord. Lord, I pray all of us here as we go home and look in the mirror, we will understand that we are to, to live intentionally as salt and light in the world. That we are to love as salt and light in the world, seasoning those people we would have nothing to do with, loving those that we would step back aghast from. Let us give generously our gifts, our talents for the work of your church as we spread the good news in this, Jesus' first commission. Amen.